Welcome to my podcast, Here I Stand. I am your host, Patricia Lord, with my guest, The Amy Simple, sharing extraordinary stories of ordinary people. This is part two of the Maggie Alfonsi interview, which is all based on champions' mindsets. You've said that you want to do more in leadership. Yeah. You'd like to be a CEO of a sporting business. Yeah. What does that look like? I think it's a difficult one. I haven't really thought about what it looks like. Mm. I think what it does look like is, is me being an influential leader in a way that I can impact others, not just by saying play rugby. Yeah. It's about being able to change the, the sporting landscape, uh, making sure that the sport that I grew up in is truly open to everyone that the sport that I play looks different to how it, it looked when I first started so you don't really want to do much in there then I don't. <laughs> <laughs> it's really hard do you know what when you say what does it look like it's really I'm generally having to really think about it because it's what does success look like and I feel like it's evolving it's changing I know what the title is of what I want but actually what it looks like is very different and what's really interesting, my next question to you was going to be, how can we make rugby more diverse and inclusive? Mm. And basically what you're saying is, I'm going to do it. I'm hoping to be one of the ones yeah. that does it. You're I think going to do it. There's quite a few of us out there which um, which are definitely banging the drum. Yeah. And the more you bang the drum, the yeah. more you're, you're in the room to have those conversations, the more likely things things begin to change. And, and when I look at rugby, women's rugby, I think, God, we're doing a lot. But actually what's great is that women's sport is, yeah, a, is, a, is a, together. We're yeah. all doing it. So I look at women's football, I think, wow, yeah. awesome. I look at cricket. And I, I just think we're hockey, everyone... Hockey, yeah, netball. like Everyone is just like... Yeah. So when I look at women's sport, it's a group. We're all doing it together. Yeah. What netball doing, what hockey, where, you know, what all the other sports doing has an impact on us yeah. in a positive way. So we're all, you know part of the same tide that's hopefully raising the level that's making a difference and creating that momentum change which is incredibly important to remember that you're not doing it on your own. What's really good is that there are some very well-known broadsheets that are championing this so Mm. for example the Telegraph they are doing some groundbreaking work to attempt to transform the profile of women's sports Mm. which is really good but outside of the Telegraph Mm. I don't see any big broadsheets doing that so what I found very interesting after the women's rugby team winning the World Cup after the hockey team Mm. winning gold and even the netball team in some of their Commonwealth Championships games whereby Mm. they won you know gold came first there didn't seem to me and yes I am female to be enough recognition in the media or the broadsheets just there isn't Mm. you know Dina Asher-Smith has, I think, got a lot of attention, but athletics is very sexy. So I'm not taking anything away from her, but athletics is very sexy. Mm. Didn't see you guys on Jonathan Ross. Don't know why I didn't see the hockey (laughs) team, you know. So I feel very disappointed, if I'm honest, at the way that I truly believe that women's sport, women's recognition in our achievements is underrepresented. Now, Mm. I watched the game, you know, the World Cup, Mm. you guys slogged it Mm. out. You know, mm. for me, you should have had dinner with the Queen, mm. <laughs> being, you know, being flown to Oprah, you know, being on every TV show. I mean, that was a hard mm. match to win. Mm. Whereas, you know, when I compare the Men's Rugby World Cup win and victory, mm. all of the accolades, all of the sponsorships, all of 
you know, the, the advertisements. Mm. I just find it disappointing. And we're in 2020 and we're still trying to change that. Yeah. What would you say to a bright, talented, young, either athlete, sports person or academic about the way women still seem to be marginalised? What would you say? How would you get them to keep going or push through? What do you say to your young people that you that you mentor on coach? I think that one of the things that I would say would be to, like, again, keep moving forward. Mm. Um, it's like when we talk about, you know, environmental changes now, like every little bit that you do counts. True. And I think it's the same when I talk about women playing sport, you know, women trying to change the agenda right now and, and making a difference. I think you just, you have to keep banging that drum and like, at no point take your foot off the pedal because the more we bang the drum, the more things start to change. And like you talk about the newspaper broadsheets, you know, Telegraph has made those quiet changes. And I think the more, again, Telegraph keep pushing, others have to follow. Yeah. And that's the same with, when I think about women's sport being on TV. Yeah. You know, ITV cover the Women's Rugby World Cup, BBC cover a lot of the um, women's football, mm. and then BT cover, I think, women's football and hockey. So I'm like, actually, because certain organisations have started to say, right, we want to put women at the front of, of what we do, others have to follow because they feel like they're either missing out or actually it's just not the right, you're not doing the right thing. Mm. So I would say to, yeah, I would always say to anyone who really wants to make a difference is say, keep moving forward. We are not there yet, and I get inspired by hearing about other women's stories, mm. other women voices yeah. around the world, and what they've done and what yeah. they're achieving, and and the frustrations that they're having. Yeah. I think every time I hear that, I think actually that means that I'm not at a point where we've achieved what we want to achieve. Yeah, that's true. So it frustrates me, but I don't want to live my life with a chip on my shoulder. No. But what I definitely want to do is make sure that I'm making a difference, I'm contributing to stuff. Yeah. And it's not in just in sport, you know, talk to yourself, it's in business, it's yeah. in everything, it's yeah. in every walk of our life. How do we make sure that we have priority, that we have equality, and that our voices are being heard, and that our contributions have been well received. So, yeah. and I love it when I'm, especially if I'm in the room and it's all men or yeah. I'm the only minority person in the room. I always think, actually, I'm going to make sure people know that I'm in the room. Yeah. Like, And that, I love that feeling. Yeah. But I want there to be more. I definitely want there to always be more people in the room to, to be part of that conversation. Well said. So now I want to talk to you about being the first. So you've been the first in so many things. Mm. So being the first black woman in a British rugby team that's mm. won the World Cup. So... Congrats. Being the first, as we talked about, the Pat Marshall Award. And, you know, that is predominantly a male-orientated award fellowship. Mm. Being the first TV pundit to commentate on rugby international games. For me, and also being the first on the 20 hardest (laughs) rugby players ever that had ever lived you know so you know and you know being a woman and being a person of color so Mm. what does that feel like you know you are breaking ground everywhere not just on the pitch Mm. but off the pitch is that something that's conscious or is that something that has just happened because you know maggie the machine is just Mm. getting it done i think like, for example, just doing the broadcasting when I became one of the first there, I didn't really think about it. How did that come about? Well, to me, I just had a very good relationship with ITV, and ITV said we'd like you to be one of the pundits for the Men's Rugby World Cup in 2015. 
I had just rich, literally retired from, from the game. So it was quite a shock to the system, really. Because, again, you have that imposter syndrome. Like, mm. am I going to be good enough? Yeah. I don't know men's rugby, so I can't really communicate or talk about it. But then I think you go through this period of, like, I've won a Rugby World Cup, I've been playing the sport for years, yeah, I'll be fine. I think my first appearance for ITV, I might have been definitely nervous, but at the same time, when I started to talk, I was like, I absolutely love this. Yeah. Cause I'm talking about rugby. It's something which I have been brought up on. So I guess when you become the first, you do overthink it sometimes, yeah. but I think it can be quite a lonely place. And I think that's the hardest bit for anyone who's striving to be the first in whatever it is they want to do and, and hopefully inspire others because you kind of feel like you're on your own there a little mm. bit, really. So I think the biggest thing for me is that it's nice to have been the first in certain things, but I really don't want to be the last. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I absolutely hear that. So it's like, if I'm the last, that means that I've not achieved what I've hoped to achieve. Yeah. And that's many others coming through, if not many others overtaking me. You know, that's mm. that's what I'd rather see. Mm. And um, what's great in the world of broadcasting, I mean, how many women, there's loads of women now on broadcasting. Yeah, I'm so chuffed. Like, you know, and of colour. Yeah, you know? like Alex Scott is nailing yeah. it in the um, world of football. Yeah. Ebony Rain from Brent is doing cricket and is doing really well yeah. for, uh, men's and women's cricket so there's like now there's loads of us out there and I think that's where you know what you've done is created something important because being the first is great for you but actually how do we make sure we create change honestly that's amazing I think that the one line that just threw me was imposter syndrome mm-hmm. you know the fact that um, you have it I look at you as being very knowledgeable in rugby knowing your stuff playing the game you coach some of the youngsters coming up as well and you know you're just like every other woman out there that's doing something new so that's really hard (laughs) (laughs) i'm inspired by you do you know what i mean like i think it's having people around you who always drive you do you know what i mean we talked about this before everyone's on their journey and actually we're all inspired by different things that different people do i think that's what keeps me going i have to say I love the fact that you're a champion in every part of your life. Mm. You're first in most of the things that you've achieved. Talk to me about a champion mindset. I know that when the England rugby team didn't win the World Cup, I believe you came second, Mm -hmm. there was a new coach that came on board and there was a lot of reflection and reforming that you guys had to do in order to get the right mindset Mm. but prior to that you had already been winning championships at Saracen Mm. Um, so what was the shift between uh, winning championships in Saracen to then having to change your mindset with your team to win the World Cup Mm. what did that look like I think um, winning the World Cup was a different kind of different kind of challenge in the sense that that your England team feels like it's always changing. It's always changing, but at the same time, you're having to build this relationship where your club team, effectively, these are people who are just really good club people. They don't necessarily get paid to play. They just want to be there every Saturday or Sunday with you. So the way you're bonded is different. So my Saracens team, we won a lot of things because we just had such a natural bond. International's really different. You know, pulling people together and you have to make sure that they fit together and you have to make sure that they learn together when we don't see each other much and then when we do see each other we have to play against a really tough team yeah and if you lose you know you lose a match like Anthony Joshua if he loses a fight god everyone thinks you're bad you're not very Mm. good not very good boxer or good rug player yeah so England was always quite hard to try and keep us being good all the time winning six nations was great but actually for us to be successful we had to win a world cup 
So to lose several World Cups leading up to the point when we won it, that journey made us. That journey made us closer. Losing the tournament made us yeah. much closer as well. So same with the England men. Look, they lost in uh, 2019 and actually that will make them much closer as a team which will hopefully go on to see them succeed in the next four years the mindset at the international level was very much it's a very it's hard to explain it but I think every athlete or every person who's very successful in their career have that mindset where they go they just believe that they're the best that they can be that they always want to be the best they can be and that's important Hmm. you know I think that that's a really important message and it's belief, isn't it? You have to believe that you can do it. You have to believe that you can win. You have to believe it to the point that you taste it. Mm. And so I look at social media and you see lots of people, you know, like living the best life yeah. and, you know, taking pictures. And, you know, I think that's great. But unless you believe it, you will never achieve it. I believe that as well. Yeah. Honestly, like you get to a point where you go, I have to have this belief in my confidence, belief in my ability. That's really important. But at the same time, I have to be quite transparent with myself. Yeah. So I have to know my weaknesses and yeah. my strengths. I have to be honest with that. I have to be able to take feedback in a way that mm. it's going to make me better rather than break me. It's funny, like, you have to make yourself vulnerable to be the best that you can be. Because I think when you become vulnerable, so you then realise that, that so I can good. build myself. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, that and, is so good. You do. Because people who sort of don't make themselves vulnerable to an extent and actually think that I am the best like, mm. and I've got no blind spots are the ones that I don't think they go forward yeah. sometimes you have to and, and it's really uncomfortable looking mm. at your blind spots sometimes you need somebody else to tell you that what yeah. those blind spots are but at least you found them and then you can go away and work on them and it will take you another step forward so how did that That's, work for you in the team so who sat down with you to help you look at your blind spots? Was that the coach? Was there already some self-reflection? Mm. How did that work? I reflected a lot. I used the sports psychologist in our team. Yeah. We've had a few sports psychologists, so I used to use them quite a lot. I'd probably be one of the very few players in the team which would use them because I really saw, saw them as part of my team yeah. in the sense that they're there to help me when I have weak moments, mm. I can go to them and say, this is the, the challenge that I'm having. And they'll just make me see it from a different perspective. Yeah. So the sports psychologist was really key for me. I'd even encourage, not people to have a sports psychologist, but to have, you know, an executive coach. You know, 100%. You know, somebody who... Say that again. There. Say that again. People to go and have an executive coach. I have one. Or, you know, 100%. Good, yeah. And the things that I've achieved in my life in the last 18 months is because of my Marianne yeah. so and it's someone that actually for me holds me to account to what I'm saying yeah and outside of your family because I think sometimes you know your family and your friends if you don't get them like well never mind mm. you know but if you've got someone that ultimately believes in your vision mm-hmm. and they're holding you to account to your vision oh my gosh I totally agree yeah and not, look not everyone can afford an executive coach so I would say try and find someone in your life mm. who you like you said who can keep you to account and keep you grounded who yeah. can challenge you when you need to be challenged but also give you a bit of positive reinforcement yeah. when you need that as well find a mentor if need be that always helps mm. So for me, I would use my sports psychologist to, I guess, help find my blind spots. I also used coaches who weren't part of the England setup. Oh, that's interesting. Because like they, because they were like different kind of coaches. They didn't, they wouldn't. What I did with them, I could show them my faults. Like yeah. my tackling wasn't great. I could show them that. Yeah. They would help me build me up. Yeah. So when I went to England training or England camp, I was brilliant because <laughs> yeah. I've done all that. We, yeah. I've done all the mistake stuff in the training with the other coach. So I would, I would source people to help me mm. who weren't necessarily part of the England fold. Mm. And actually, I think that's what built me up massively. Everything I did when I was an athlete, I try and think, can I 
bring this into my business world. Can you replicate yeah. it, absolutely. And actually find people but around me. that's success, people. So listen to that. That is success. You know, find people who are going to help you, who are going to build you up mm. to be the best that you can be to achieve whatever it is that you are looking to do. It's just that simple. That's a mic yeah. drop moment. <laughs> Didn't drop the mic, but, you know, that, that, completely. Just, you know, find your circle. Yeah. Find your tribe. You, you find, yeah, and that's, and that's really important. It's mm. really hard to find mm. the people who make that team. But you've got to recruit them mm. and help them be part of that journey. Because yeah. the reality is, I love to say that I've achieved everything on my own, but that's, <laughs> it's not been possible. I've, I've needed some people around me. Yeah. And actually, when I've been quite broken at times, I've mm. needed someone, not someone, or maybe a few people, to build him back up again. Yeah. Because you reach that point where you just feel like, I do want to give up. I can't really keep working towards this goal. Yeah. But it's so nice when you've got someone who goes, I totally believe in you. That changes things, I think. And I think for me, culturally, I mean, my parents have been my biggest champions. Mm. But culturally, some people, you know, there are some members of my family, very supportive, but if I wanted to stop and and not live the life that I'm living. Mm. I'll be like, well, they're there, you know. Yeah. What were you thinking? Why, mm. why are you pushing your cap too high? And so it's really important that you mm. have those individuals around you because I think your loved ones, they do have your best interests at heart, but your vision might not be their vision. Totally. And sometimes we tell our big ideas to small-minded people and that can derail us quite oh, yeah. easily. Yeah. So... No, it's just amazing. I love that. I need to find myself another coach. <laughs> so, Mar- so Marianne, like Marianne will be listening to this be like, really? <laughs> your coach sounds awesome. Like, oh, honestly, brilliant. she she's sounds brilliant. really good to have someone you go, I totally trust, I can speak to, and she can be honest with me as well. I met Marianne in The Hague mm. uh, in oh, 2016, cool. 2017, mm. and she holds me to account. That's really cool. There are days that she curses me out, proper curse me out, <laughs> and there are days that she's really nurturing and there are days that that she's just like, you know what, you're just not on this page. What do we need to do to get you back? And you need somebody like that in your life if you want to achieve anything. If you've got goals, you've just got to look outside of yourself and your circle to have that person give you a completely different perspective on on what it is that you feel that you want to do. Totally, I agree. Gosh, you're my sister. <laughs> Gosh, we are here. So for your champion mindset, yeah. you go to your coach, you're, you're vulnerable, you're reflective, you ensure that you're honest with yourself so that you can get to the next stage. Mm. And so once you are in that zone, once you are in that space, mm. what does preparing for a World Cup that you know that you've got to smash look like in the England mm. camp. What is it that you tell each other? And how do you prepare to the point that you're not nervous, mm. but you have that belief? What does that look like? So I think the reason why we sort of won that World Cup in 2014 pretty much was because that we had lost World Cups beforehand. So you, every time you, you step on the field, you're learning something different about your team. You're learning about how to manage certain situations. And I think that's what kind of helped build us up as, as a team to finally win it yeah. in 2014. And if I think about what that week or what that day beforehand looked like, it was very much, you know, the team and individuals knowing what their strengths are. Mm. You know, before you step on the field, you always make that sort of promise to each other that this is what I'm going to do when I get on that pitch. And if you can look to your teammates to say, this is what I am going to do for you, then you almost got that emotional bond, that emotional Mm. connection. And I think that's what it felt like. 
So it, it was a weird atmosphere. So, you know, literally a couple of days before the World Cup final, you know, you're walking around and generally, like, I'm looking at everyone in my team and I'm like, there's no one I doubt. Like, that's a really nice feeling to think, I know that she will do this on the pitch. I know that she will do that on the pitch and that they've got my back. That's quite a, a powerful feeling. So I felt, as a team, we felt quite invincible, actually, going into that tournament, going into the final in particular, yeah. Didn't you have a session whereby you all sat down and, and talked about what winning the World Cup all yeah. would mean to you or yeah. to each other? And what did that look like? Our sports psychologist got us to sort of talk about our whys. You know, mm. why do you want to win the World Cup? Why do you want to play for England? And it was quite interesting because we all came up with different whys. Mm. <laughs> you know, you initially think that we have the similar whys and you know it's about wanting just to win a World Cup for the sake of winning the World Cup because everyone wants to get a gold medal yeah. but we all had really different reasons to why we were in that room yeah and that's what was quite powerful you know you know I've always known that my why has always been about you know making my mum proud of me yeah and then we heard everyone's why's like what our reasons were for wanting to win the World Cup and wanting to be in that room and wanting to play for England and that was quite powerful because when you hear everyone's why's you sort of realize that I want to help them achieve that yeah and that's what made, I think, us as a team very, very strong. You know, I was going into that final thinking, I want to make sure that I win that World Cup because I want to help my friend who whatever, lost a key member of her family and mm. wants to make them proud. I'm like, yeah. I'm, I'm going to do it for them. Yeah. That's a really powerful thing. When you start to become selfless. It becomes bigger than yourself, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah, and that's what it was. Like where maybe you think about other World Cups, probably naturally so, you become a bit selfish. Mm. So that's a key transition I think I had, and I think our team had going into that World Cup final, which allowed us to really win a real different mindset, but also emotional bond. Have you fulfilled your potential? Interesting. So it's, that's an interesting question because I think potential is quite dynamic. It's yeah. it sort of, it goes up, it comes down as well, you know? Yeah. So I, I like to think that I have fulfilled my potential on the rugby field. So being a rugby player, I have fulfilled that. Could have probably played for a bit longer, but I was always told, go out on the top. Absolutely, <laughs> don't, yes. Don't, don't wait on the way down, you know. Yeah. So I left when I could still have played rugby for a bit longer, but I knew that actually I'd done what I needed to achieve and actually it's nice to have some other younger people players come through and be able to experience what I felt. So was that not that's not... scary, knowing that you still had life in the rugby legs yeah. that, and just leaving... It wasn't because I just, you know, when you reach a point in your life when you go, I've done what I feel like I've achieved everything for myself. Yeah. I didn't need to hang around any longer, you know. But I miss the sport. I still, even now, I still wish I could play it. Yeah. But to be fair, I got dodgy knee, so <laughs> I, I couldn't. But I, I do feel like I left at the right time. I left international at the right time. I finished playing club rugby, I think, at the right time. Yeah. And now there's players coming through who are doing so much better than me. Actually, it's right that they have that chance. Nice for you to say, I'm not so sure. <laughs> what does fulfilment look like for you? And I ask all my guests this mm. question what does it look like? I think um, fulfilment is basically not worrying. Yeah. So to wake up and not think, actually, I'm, I'm stressing about work, I'm stressing about family. I'm yeah. sure. Fulfilment would be actually, I. I've achieved everything I needed to achieve. Yeah. I'm not striving for anything else. Yeah. So I'd probably say that I've not reached that point yet. I yeah. feel there's always still something I want to achieve. I know what I want to achieve. But fulfilment, I think it feels good. I just know I'm not yeah. there yet. So yeah. it's something I'm striving to achieve to a point where you go, I just don't need to worry about this anymore. Mm. But I, yeah, I'm not, I'm not necessarily there yet. Okay. Yeah. I'll tell you when I am there, though. I will tell you. I don't know what it looks like yet, but I'll tell you when it's going to be. Yeah, I'm sorted. It's amazing. It has been my absolute pleasure speaking to you today. And 
there have been so many nuggets mm. that you've been able to provide, not just to myself, I see my sound engineering nodding, <laughs> Kenya, as well as all of our listeners. So yeah. thank you, thank you. Very grateful from the bottom of my heart. I appreciate you taking the time thank to Thank you. It's been a pleasure and I've really enjoyed it. So uh, yeah, get me back again, I'll tell you. I'll yeah. tell you when I'm fulfilled. Great, <laughs> tell <me> <laughs> If you would like to get in contact with me, please visit my website on www.authorpdlaw.com. Facebook, you can find me on Author PD Lord, Instagram PD Lord, and Twitter PD Lord. Currently, I have books available called The Journey, available on Amazon and Barnes & Noble, Kindle Books and eBooks.